everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Journalists Talk. This is the podcast from journalists to journalists. Hello, everyone. Today I have the third guest of the podcast, and she is Gretchen Macarella. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Gretchen is a multimedia storytelling professor at CSUN, but she previously worked with digital journalism. Would you mind to give us a brief biography of yourself? Yeah, hi. Um, glad to be here. I started off as a business reporter and a very traditional newspaper background. And then um, I had just a training opportunity and I took it because I was bored. It seemed like something new to do and a way to sort of expand my horizons, not because I was particularly interested or technical. In fact, I really wasn't terribly, but I've always loved learning new things. I found that getting new ways to tell stories was so much fun. So I ended up just kind of sticking with it. And at the newspaper, I uh, took those digital skills and started a broadcast style news report that I did on my own for a couple of years. Um, and then I kind of rotated that into doing like video features, basically show style features about the community and eventually that transition into managing the website for the newspaper, finished that job as the managing editor for digital. Eventually, I transitioned over to academia and started with the first year that the sundial at CSUN was digital first. So we transitioned that publication from four print days a week to one print day a week and digital seven days. I started as the publisher there. That's really nice and a very good background um, so far. And you touched a little bit in what would be my first question to you, how the digital part of journalism entered your life. You said it was totally by accident. Yeah. And how did you feel about it? All transitions are sudden and slow. You always look back and see that they've crept in slowly. The first newspaper I worked for was the Pacific Coast Business Times, and I started there just about 2000. That was my first foray into like, oh, we're going to need a website. And even in college, we'd had like a little, there was like a guy in the back who like managed the website. But Nobody paid any attention to that. But then all of a sudden I was doing business journalism and all the companies had websites and that was really handy. And all of a sudden we had all these access. And then we started thinking about wanting our stories to be online. That seemed useful. That was a long period of what digital journalists like to refer to as shovelware. A period of time where we truly were just taking what we had done in print and you just shove it over and put it on the website. My transition to digital was when we were really making the change to not just moving our content from newspaper print to digital text, but to questioning whether this way that we were connecting with the audience had the uh, potential to be about different kinds of storytelling. Doing the newscast was such a particular way of 
seeing the access to something we didn't have access to at all before. Video was the realm of broadcast. Sometimes um, there were newspapers that would have a person who would come into the newsroom and interview the journalists or any of those things. There was just not a lot of access. We didn't do other kinds of storytelling. Sometimes you worked with the graphics team and made like charts and stuff, but that was a big lift. You had to work with somebody else because even making simple graphics was a really big project. When I went to the editor of a mid-sized daily newspaper and said, hey, there's no broadcast television here, we could do that. It was kind of mind-blowing. Suddenly, as newspaper journalists, we had access to audio journalism and video journalism and graphic journalism, long narratives, because you could. That transition was really about the transition, not just to digital, but to reconsidering what it meant to be part of a legacy silo. And can you imagine how surprising this could be at the moment like hey let's do some video too digital journalism went to maybe another step we have social media right now i know that there's a lot of news outlets that they have uh, social media instagram twitter facebook and i was wondering how can you make journalism creative in those social medias I think it's really interesting to think about how journalists can best use social media. Using it as a publishing platform has been a little dangerous, but using it as a connection platform is really important. I think that there's so much to be said for using social media as the two-way street, flattening out the journalists and the audience. I also think that we have to think about that as a conversation, not as the place where we are telling our stories. For one reason, it's not a financial model. Would you say that it's more dangerous to be confused by fake news, this model of having social media and all like professional websites? We want to say that, but the content factories that are bent on confusing people are producing whole websites that look a lot like newspapers and filling them with things that look a lot like news stories. I don't think we can blame social media, but it's part of a fire hose of information that causes us to have a difficulty sorting it all out. It's hard when there's such a volume of information for anybody to be truly conscientious that way. And I feel like we blame the audience a lot, but most of this is our own making. I feel some people, they resist a little bit believing journalism itself and even more digital journalism. How could you make uh, your information credible by posting on social media or in a website? I think that's an incredibly important and growing area where there's a lot of really great research. The Trust Project is my favorite group that has been working on improving trust in journalism. A lot of that is about transparency, clarity, and treating the audience as a partner rather than a receiver. They're not just getting the information that you want to give them. 
they're part of collecting. If you aren't clear with the audience about where your information comes from, or you know, you leave parts out because they don't quite fit with the way you want to tell the story, or you expect them to come in with college level civics or even a political bent that you anticipate. It's not surprising that we have lost the trust of many of our audiences. Also, another different tool that we have is the interactive websites. You've shown a lot uh, in classes, and I personally think that they are literally amazing to get the information and learn more and feel like it's something that you can enjoy rather than something more serious. It can be a serious topic, but it can be like something that you enjoy. Do you think that those kind of websites, do you think they would have more views and engagement than a normal website? Not necessarily. It's hard and sometimes frustrating to think about, but a lot of those projects are really big. They take a lot of work. The audience is sometimes looking for Twitter-sized stories. So when you lay out a, what we might call a lean back experience, right? Something where you sit with it. Maybe it's even a mini documentary or something interactive or whatever. Those take a lot of commitment from the audience. Usually what we see is really high engagement with those. People who get there and want it, they spend time, they care, they notice, they're more likely to come back, but they're not necessarily drivers of huge amounts of traffic. It doesn't mean it's not worth it because engagement is really important, but they're not necessarily a fix. <laughs> Do you have something that it's, your favorite that you ever created with digital journalism that you would like to talk about? One of my favorite projects was about highway safety. And I worked with people across the Scripps newspaper chain that I was working for. We got national highway safety data for our whole county and we mapped fatal accidents, looked for patterns. It was a really interesting way for us to look for systemic problems that were both localized so we could look for a lot of accidents at one intersection. Or we could look for something like we color-coded our pins to look for things like, are we seeing a lot of lack of seatbelts as the driver? And then we were able to put that uh, database up in a sort filter. Uh, we were able to allow our audience to ask questions of that data that maybe we didn't even think to ask and then allowed them to tell us what they found. If somebody was like, I think deaths of children have gone up over the last 10 years, let me check it out. And they could find, you know, oh, well, there have been more lack of seatbelt deaths in children between five and 12 or whatever. Those were the kinds of questions that maybe we didn't ask, maybe somebody else thought to ask, but we got to use visualizations and the raw data and then also write through the story and help people understand and create videos that talked to people about highway safety and we put it all together so it allowed people to come back to it over and over again to ask their own questions to look at what we were talking about and to draw some of their own conclusions i thought that was a really powerful project i think so listen to it it's really powerful and informative in an interesting way to the audience now, touch more about videos. How do you think videos of storytelling can be more effective 
in an audience than a written article with a few photos. There's a quote that I never quite get right about storytelling is like dancing about architecture. But what I think is that we have been so siloed into the, the way that we were delivering our information previously that we often just don't think about what kind of story this is. Don't tell a complex budget story in a video. That's not going to work. The way that we can make our videos effective is by making videos that are about things that are inherently visual and have the emotional elements that help us to connect with the humans on the other side. So it's really about picking the right story. Something that I've heard all my life since I, I started thinking of getting a major in journalism and always wanting to work in print also at some point in my life, I've heard people saying that print some, sometime like in the future is not going to exist and it's just going to be like digital journalism. How do you feel about this common sense of that people has about journalism. I think there are reasons for print and I think eventually we'll find an equilibrium where people pay for print for the things that make sense in print. Just the same way that there are things that make sense in video. I get a daily newspaper. Don't think I'll probably do that forever. I get the Atlantic that I can see keeping on. I don't think that print is dead tomorrow. And I'm not sure ever will be fully, but the way that we have delivered news has been too limited to continue. We need to think about why we use the channels that we use. And in the beginning, you said that you believe that there are reasons why print is still around. And could you just go a little bit deeper on it? I can do about maybe five or six scrolls on my phone before I burn out on that. I don't do great at long pieces on my phone. I do a little better on my computer, but I do a lot better in a magazine. Skimming is a thing that I think we have vastly underrated the way that we are able to take in information through skimming um, listings and things like that, I think are really important. The other thing that is really important that we underestimate is how exciting it is to be in print. It's kind of silly, but it's true. There's a lot of value that we provide. If you're a business journal and you're doing a 40 under 40 awards and you just put up a website, it does not have the same cachet as printing out a physical piece of paper, handing that section to those people. And so I think the commemorative nature of things, the skimmable nature and the long form nature of elements are all best done in print. And I wanted to thank you for your time and talking to me. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure talking to you about digital journalism. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It was really fun. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode and be tuned for the next one. Follow us on our Facebook page, Journalist Talk, and our website at the description of the podcast. Thank you.